Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talk series here at the Abbey. For this podcast, I got to sit down with the ridiculously talented Katrina Ennis, and we got talking about the Second Republic's renegade, fearless Emer Hackett. Katrina climbs down the Hackett family tree that grows from centre stage to front page and talks of going to war for all her characters and fighting for her latest love affair. From the world-famous Shed movie house to Foley Street to Abbey Street, Katrina talks about navigating her way from quiet child to hard-working student to finding her tribe as teacher and theatre maker. Enjoy this podcast. Katrina Ennis, you are a couple of hours away from entering the parallel world of the Second Republic as fearless Emer Hackett. She's a fairly multifaceted character. Was she an easy character to locate? I suppose I feel like I've been on such a long journey with her because I was talking to Annie about Emer for a while. And I think um, when we did Dublin by Lamplight, I played Maggie. And I think Michael started to have this idea of Emer this journalist and this fearless character coming from Maggie's, basically a great-granddaughter of of Maggie. So I think it it started off, actually probably it was, you know, Maggie's heart is the first heart or the first piece of Emer I found. And then, you know, you're handed, okay, she's a journalist and, you know, and then you're given the next piece of like, it's puzzles, isn't it? It's a puzzle that you put different pieces together because she's in the 1970s. And then I started to look at actual women like uh, Veronica Guerin, played a big part. I read a lot about of her. And then you just, there was a couple of interviews that she did in the late, late, and it was taking, robbing little bits of her spirit. And then that was in Emer. And I suppose it's a good six months where I've been dreaming her up. Parts of her remind me of my mom. And as I start to, you know, read the different drafts of the scripts or or play with the different actors, she comes more alive and alive. When you mention the other, other actors, you are working with the supreme cast of, of only eight other actors, but it does seem like yeah. so much more on stage. You have Andrew Bennett, Anna Healy, Declan Conlon, Patrick Ryan, Eve McCann, Ed Murphy, Camille Lucy Ross and John Dorn. What's the learning curve like when you're working on a show of this scale with that mix of older and newer corn exchangers? Yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful. You know, it was funny walking in the f- the first day. I had watched Andrew and, and Declan for so many years. It was such a gorgeous moment to sit at a table with them and think, and I could see so many different characters all of a sudden or so many different plays that I'd seen them in. And then for them to say things of, um, oh, like what you did there, that's really great. It's constant. What I love about this job is constantly learning. Then to look at your peers that I've, like with John, getting to play with him. I've watched him so many times. Anna Healy, I got to do a workshop with her uh, a couple of years ago in this play. was dying to walk into a room again with her. Neve McCann, we've just come from a Christmas carol together. and it's But it's a real gift to have different journeys and different places that we're all at in our lives or careers and at one table. And particularly for a story like this, I think you, you need all those different voices and from perspectives and that's that was really important and extremely special. When you're approaching a character like Emer and you're stepping into her viewpoint, yeah. when you ask questions of the character, do you listen to your instinct or do you raise those questions with the writer Michael West? Yeah, there's a bit of both. Um, sometimes there'll be certain things that you just you start to fight for the character and it's like they become your best friend or I always say like that's my new love affair and that's the person I'm most in love with at the moment so some things are it's just instinct it's just you just know no I can feel that that's wrong or that's not where her heart is or that's 
And then there's other times where you're looking, you're going, where, where is this coming from? And then it's so amazing to have a writer in the room to go, am I right? Is that right? Or what's that line about? Well, actually, because they have this whole backstory. So it's nice to have, a, and I think that's the important, it's a dance between an actor and the writer and the director. Everybody else, you know, you're all kind of adding new steps to it and eventually you come to the piece at the end and it's a part of my instincts, it's a part of Michael, it's a part of Annie, it's a part of the rest of the cast that we play opposite. But I think Emer, there's something about her spirit and her fearless nature that a lot of things were quite clear her spirit alone to have in her room because she's so full of passion and it's kind of like we were all talking about what it's like the passion we have for acting and and why you know often we do what we do is to tell stories and ultimately she wants to tell a story she wants to tell the stories that nobody else will tell she wants to give voice to people and ultimately that's what we're trying to do in plays so I think she was clear in ways to, to everybody actually in the room because there's a part of her that we could all identify with because that's what we were doing as well. We were trying to tell this story. And she's not one dimensional. No. She, I mean, her scruples, I, I think, are up in the air a bit. Yeah. I mean, she's searching for truth, but you, you would question at what cost. Yes. She's complicated. You know, she, she lives in a kind of grey area, I think. And she lives in a time where I think... Uh, it's the start of getting into somewhere and, and having a bit of power, but at the same time being told, no, you have to stay in your box. Yes, you're, okay, now you're allowed to be on the news desk floor with us, that's perfect. But no, stay in your station, stay in your box. And I think she is fighting against, I think her instincts know that it's not right, that how she's being treated as a female particularly isn't right and it's not fair. And I think she sees the social injustice happen around her, but how she deals with it. She's a human and she makes mistakes and she's also caught in the, you know, she's in her own little love story as well and that takes over and and then it, it, there's a bigger question for me of there's not, a mu- there's not much guidance around for her. There's nobody really that she can turn to and ask. Now the world is telling her you're going too far a lot of the time, but it's more like in the energy of little girl stay quiet and in a way I think that drives her irrationally to do things that ultimately is wrong and she finds you know that's the tragedy of it and the world wouldn't say that to a man yes if that was John Dorn's character it would be and that's the injustice is what and I think there's moments in the place that she's pulling herself back she's aware and she's desperately going no okay no no that's not my nature I'm kind I'm I'm just trying to do a good job I'm just and it just it's like she just keeps getting hit on the back of the head and then she bites and it's it's a horrible it's a horrible even I feel it every night during the play to feel that kickback of the shame maybe in letting herself down and letting herself behave in ways that isn't maybe her nature, but also understanding the frustration and the the feeling of injustice. I think when it's a, just when you're left to fester inside you, it's very hard. At the core of it, she's onto a story and she's right. And to fundamentally know in your gut, I am right about this. Ultimately, she's fighting for the loss of a young woman's life. So it's not only her voice that she's feeling, 
oh my God, this is getting taken away from me and people are telling me to be quiet and just shove it under the rug. And if you behave yourself, you'll you'll be allowed to do that next story. And if you behave like this and you, okay, but that's not happening to Finbar. That's not happening to the men around me. Oh, a young woman's life has been lost. Yeah, yeah, forget about that. And I think it's the loss of that young woman as well. That It's like holding a mirror up to herself. You see it all through the play, you know. Her other female um, colleagues, like Joan, in the office, is a big character that really, that's, I think, the person that she looks to and would have, you know, known, maybe grown up, or lo- I'd love to be in that office and I know this writer, Joan, and to see her also be bet down. But it is, it's a tricky situation when you're also a young person of how do you deal with all this massive injustice that's being handed to you what is the right way to deal with it when do you fight what does the word fight mean these have been two questions playing Emer. what does the word fight mean and what does truth mean i think her journalistic skills she's machiavellian in ways that aid her ultimately it's interesting her story because she is right she is absolutely right about everything that's going on, about the story that she's trying to tell. She's completely right. But in the first, you know, scene, she says the one sentence, you know, the government is in bed with a crooked developer. That's it. That's it nailed. That's the first scene. And it's constantly coming in again. Okay, okay, if I sold it to you this way, okay, you want hard hitting content? Okay. I'll try this avenue. Okay, no, he doesn't like that. Okay, I'll try to shout. Oh, no, they don't like that. Okay, I'll try to be passive. Okay, no, they don't like that. It's hard. It's hard when you go, I know that's happening. And even myself, I go, I don't... What What does she do? And her real estate on that front page is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. And the more she finds out, the louder she shouts, because it's... I think... Uh, there's a social justice warrior in her that she just, that's her base level. I don't even think she's trying. That's just in her. That's her nature. And she finds out these things and comes bursting into rooms going, oh my God, I found out this. We have to do it. Not expecting a no, not expecting anything. And what starts off as ambition, she's a very ambitious and ruthless, goes somewhere else as well with the death of that young girl and, and the more she finds out I think she's genuinely shocked that everyone's... The more truth that they find out, the harder everyone is around her about not opening her mouth. I think it's genuine shock, and I didn't actually see it coming. And I think her int- uh, her um, relationship with um, Buttimer, who's her boss, essentially, is really interesting because he is almost like a father figure to her. And they do have a nice dynamic and he does like her and he sees her worth. But he is quite harsh to her or he does say things almost, I think, at the top of the plate to shut her down because he sees you're going to get yourself in trouble. That's not how it works yet. I think there's one hand of a pushing her going, you know, you are the hope, but we're not there yet. So he comes down on her very hard of no, no, you can't tell that, no. But by the end, then you see his relationship with her. And he's also maybe not going about it in the right way, but trying to protect her at the start. He's trying to say to her, quieten down. It's delivered in the wrong way. And he can see the forces at work, though, as well, because he's answerable to someone and then he's... Exactly. He's trying to protect her. I think he's trying to cultivate what he sees in her that will make her brilliant. 
and also tell her it's not now, this is not happening yet, but it will and you are paving the way, but just pull back, be, be careful, which when it's delivered in a harsh tone of like, no, Emer, no, you can't be doing that, no, that's enough. She, that's injustice to her. And it's only maybe by the end as well, I think she realises, okay, Ed was also in his way trying to look after me. So it's, it's in a weird, you know, in a way, everybody in the play is trying to do their best, which is life and making mistakes. And unfortunately, you know, Emer does make a big mistake. Do you enjoy playing her? Yeah, I do. She's so complicated. I mean, there's so much going on with her. She's a lot of fun. I can I can feel her um all the fun in her as well that maybe you don't even get to see on stage. And I feel her pain in that way because I think in a in another life Emer would be bursting with life and almost almost there's her light keeps kind of people are just, you know, putting a damp cloth on her the whole time. But it is fun to play that story and that kind of um, fearless nature that just keeps coming back out, just keeps... She's like a little flower for me and she just keeps opening her petals to the sun. Her eternal hope, I love. And I've actually taken a lot from, from myself. Even when she does make mistakes, her eternal belief in humanity and, and goodness in people. And I think that it's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely part to play in the time that we live in now, and how far Ireland has come. And there's a part of me going to all the ghosts, to all the emers. Yeah, you're right. We we're getting there, and we've got there in so many different ways. She's the grassroots of so many different things I've been lucky to live through, to see happen in the last couple of years. You know, I'm I'm so proud of Ireland. I'm so proud of them. Um, all the fearless females who've gone before us as well. But to be tagged with, oh, here she is again. It's an interesting feeling to play. It's not nice. It's the pushy, it's an, an the pushy women, to, right, yeah. that they reference. All pushy women, yeah. A long line of pushy women. Yeah. You know, even it says you have to be careful, you're getting a name for yourself. And to understand so clearly what that means. Oh, oh that's dangerous. Oh, to get a name for yourself. And I love her answer back, a byline. Because I want a name for myself. I want to put my name on that article. How dare you want a name for yourself? Don't get above your station. Don't. St- no, no, no. So it's hard to play all that. I feel it. It's heavy. But it's an honour to play it. Because, because of people like Emer. The world, I think, is a better place. And that's a, that's lovely to play, play tribute to and learn from. This isn't the first time that you have worked in Corn Exchange. You, you referenced Dublin by Lamplight there back in 2017. And that Dublin by Lamplight was, was performed in their trademark Camadia style. Yeah. What was that experience like? Oh, God, that was so brilliant. That was my first time on the Abbey stage as well. Oh, like magic. And I have a lovely moment as Emer when I come out at the start and it's a little tribute to Maggie. And I think the guys kn- knew um, how much that meant to me and it still means to me to stand on the Abbey stage. I keep saying to everyone, if I could tell 10-year-old Katrina, it's going to be okay. You're going to get there. Oh, And I, I feel that every time I come on that stage. But Maggie, and you know, she was a little one looking to be an actress. And similar nature. 
no, 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 you can't be that. You're not from the right area. You're not from the right place. You're not. And then her big heart and, f- and her fight back. And then so much fun to play in the style. Like, it's so brilliant. Like, even putting on the makeup, you just, you're transformed. And on that show, I was playing, like, 13 different characters. It's like opening your toolbox all of a sudden and going, oh, I never knew that was there. I never knew that was there. Brilliant. Was there and any um, terror involved in it all? Yeah, so much terror. Like, there's always, my baseline is, like, so much terror and so much happiness. It's such a weird experience because... Like, how can I be so fearful and so excited? Like, I remember the first day coming in, I was petrified. I walked into a room, met lovely Louie Lovett, watched for years as well. Gus, Paul Reed, oh, oh my God, these they're my friends now. And would you have done just, workshops in the lead up to that? I had done, developing. yeah, a couple of workshops. Um, Just um when I was in college and things with Annie, I'd done a couple of the Commedia workshops and then just went in for the audition. And really, that was... um. It's like you start your trade off somewhere. That was my starting off point here, and I'll always, I'll always recall back, back to that show. I have that in this show with all the cast. You're constantly looking around, going, "That's brilliant." I'm constantly learning. The greatest gift about being in a room with actors is getting to sit back and watch them. Even side of stage, I watch every night the different performances, and I did the same with a Dublin or Lamplight. Do, do that all the time if you can. Do you remember the first time you encountered? Corn Exchange as a as a punter, like uh, as an audience member, and the impact that might have yes, had. Yes, I've I seen um, Freefall, which is amazing. I'd seen Dubliners. I'd seen a lot of their work. We I w- I was studying a lot of you know contemporary work in college out in UCD, so I was seeing as much as I could of all, any Irish theatre that was going on. And then Man of Valor, I have to say, was a big one for me. That was extraordinary. Performance. That was extraordinary, Paul Reed extraordinary player that was a big to stand up to him and play Commedia and Dublin by Lamplight was I seen I remember seeing that man of valour over in Edinburgh and I just like it was mesmerising it just was like to be so taken out of your own mind is such a gift and by God that that show for me was just pure magic he was it's just brilliant I actually and then I seen it in the project like any chance I could see that show I was Front and centre. And when you're stepping into the room and Paul Reed is, is in there with you for Dublin by Lamplight, I can only imagine you have to step up to that plate yeah. so quickly, 13 characters know, to play. Yeah. And then he's like the soundest man in the world and like so giving. Him and Louis just incredible. Remember Louis said to me um, one night I came off and he was saying to me, you're, you know, really lovely things you're doing, brilliant. And he said, there's one bit, there's one line you say there and I think if you just gave it a half a beat before you say the word you... I think you might bring the house down. I said, okay. I went out the night and I knew he was standing side of stage watching me, willing me on, gave it that half a beat. Boom, the whole place erupted. That was him. That's passing the ball to somebody, isn't it? That's the magic. That's the real magic of theatre. It is a football team. That's well, I don't really know sports. So it could be like any sport, but <laughs> football's the analogy I give. It's constantly like somebody passes you the ball you score but I love that when anybody scores the whole place goes crazy and everybody runs around and everybody's cheering on the team that's that's what it is for me um, Can I take you back to the start and when did this all start? Did you come from a, a theatre going family? No. Was it in the blood? No but 
like I come from a mad family, <laughs> like constantly uh, full of fun. I'm a, I'm from Crumlin, tiny little house in Crumlin, and just full of like our house was the house that like of two brothers, two other brothers, all the their classmates were down in our house constantly. We had a shed that Dad built for us that we could all because my house is tiny, so we'd all be down in the shed. And they're ten years older than me, so I was always around them and that's where everybody came down and it was constant like we had the rag bag which was just old clothes in a bag that you'd dress up we'd go down to the shed they'd be making movies like I remember they had this radio show that they I used to be a guest on it was it was games it was fun it was how we entertained ourselves what age are you doing that? I would have been about like from seven, eight, nine, ten. we had a thing my older brother um directed what was called the shed videos and we had three of them and like when I t- like that was our childhood making those films with our neighbours and coming up with this idea and this costume and man we need to do this and and that was to keep us safe and keep everybody you know all the kids out of trouble and playing and that that was what we were doing and then I went to drama classes I think they seen that I was clearly into all the the voices and my brothers were brilliant they probably I was their little one and they were just it was constant voices or Teddy's talking to me or characters or making me laugh and that's the world I was surrounded by so it is it is really I look at my family now and go it's actually it's all from that our next door neighbour who Mrs Craven she was a big part of our life as well my mum and dad looked after and she used to have so many stories and she'd come in we, we had a little gate in from our garden into her house and she'd knock in and every night come in through the gate into the house sit down in our living room and sing songs to us and it's all those different things that you go for years I used to think oh, yeah no no I don't have any of that in my family no no I don't know where it comes from actually it was that so it wasn't a leap for you to pursue drama classes mm. or well, it, like I was, I was quiet as well. Do uh, we were doing a school play in school, obviously school play, uh, Pinocchio, and I was playing Pinocchio, and I got really scared the morning of it. And I was quiet, but I was able to do. I liked being funny, or I liked the fun of it. But it was suddenly this idea of going out and people looking at me, and really was like, no, I don't want to do this. And then, oh God, I can still remember. I was absolutely so devastated with myself I thought I had let everybody down I'd let myself down but I just couldn't I just was like oh no I'm just too scared you couldn't do it no I just really was like no 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 I don't I don't want people looking at me and I remember I remember my teacher just not understanding and because I was loving it so much and that kind of hit me really hard I felt like I'd let everybody down and then decided no I don't want to be doing those things I don't but I was always into dance gymnastics and choir but no no I won't and then my mum and dad said to me on Saturday we'll go down to Rat Mines to the Swan Centre and that was like oh we're going down to Rat Mines we're going to the Swan Centre that's so great we'll get I'll get a treat lovely and we pulled up outside this school and said to me just uh, just come in for a minute I was like what what are we doing here walked down this ramp and seen this gorgeous woman run out the door go to my dad is it Katrina yeah and he went yeah yeah and he, she said to him go 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 I was like what what T- took me by the hand and into a drama class and that was it and that was suddenly like 
little by little, I was able to be like, yeah, no, I love this. And that woman was? Hilary Cahill. <laughs> this is not some random yeah, woman. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, exactly. My drama teacher, yeah. Where you now currently teach yeah, with? Yeah, I do, yeah. And, and I do that now. I chase people down going, no, go, go, go. <laughs> Bring her in. That's confident. Drama for me is not about, you know, um, becoming an actor. It's about confidence, fun, a space to paint with different colours. I remember I was teaching two little ones and... Um, Polar opposites, really. One of them was quite like full of fun, would run into the class and like that stare, like muddy, like her dress everywhere, her jeans ripped and her hair everywhere. And then her friend would come in, two perfect red bows, always two pigtails, pristine. And they were sitting down before the class one of the days and little one turned to the other and said, you know, we're friends because sometimes you have to tell me to sit down because you're very good at that. And sometimes I have to tell you to run around because I'm very good at that. I thought, oh my God, that's it. You know, that's, that's, that's life. That's it right there. And so navigating that way from, I mean, clearly you're blossoming in, in drama classes yeah. and, and that's going out. Yeah. going through primary school to secondary school yeah. and then how are you getting on academically in secondary school are you do you have your eye on the ball of I'm going to pursue this uh, as a legitimate career yeah no I don't think so I think I was always just floating uh, I, I really loved school I loved school because I was always doing the plays or the choir or in the debating team and that all came from the confidence of a drama class that's why I was um, I loved English really loved English but was just really happy a school for me was like being around pals and it was really I went to St Paul's in Walkenstown and we were really like encouraged to do what our strengths were and there was a lot of focus on like I'm saying you know school plays and the choir and all, all those different things so I never I don't think I ever really sat down and thought okay I'm going to do this but I just knew I knew that I was doing what I was, what I loved, which was drama. I, I and I've always that you know that's why it's important for me to teach as well that I'm always doing it in some way. But I definitely didn't until sixth year know have a clue what I was going to do. Would I, would I go to college with it? And I was actually you know sitting down in a drama class and talking to Hillary. What do I do now? And she went to UCD and told me all about drama sock. And I thought, okay, that's great because. I loved English, knew I wanted to study that. But I, well, how do you do drama? Where do you go? And I was looking, actually in sixth year, I had my heart set on the um, Beckett Centre, but it closed. So that was a big, oh, I really didn't. And I didn't have access really to how you became an actor. I really didn't. But I did kind of always have the sense somewhere inside me that it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? It's kind of like what Emer to what do you have to do to be allowed to be something, but then something inside you going, no, I I I will do that. I don't know how, but I will. And then I suppose I got myself into UCD and the rest. That was that was brilliant. It was so it was great because I got to study English and drama, which I loved. And then to be in drama sock, just meant that you got to be painting sets, directing, writing having a party every Friday night, like the best of everything. 
But you're in UCD, you're studying English and drama and yeah. you're in Dramsoc. And but not only are you in Dramsoc, in, in is, it, is it in third year that you decide to uh, go for the auditor? Yeah. So you're yeah. essentially running Dramsoc. Yeah, I ran Dramsoc for a year. That was amazing. So a lot of a lot of fun was had, but we put on two shows every week and we had to sell those shows and we had to that was that's what the college, you know, puts up. You have to make sure this society survives. So you have to make money, you have to have a marketing plan, you have to have posters out every week. You have a different show, a lunchtime show to the evening show. You have to have turnovers. So it's hand, you know, somebody handing you a little theater for a year to run. It was the best time of my life. That was where I was really able to um, reach out to the industry and get people to come in to talk to us and learn. That's when we started doing, you know, workshops with people like Annie, Annie Ryan, Louise Lowe, going to see shows as as groups of students. That that was really where everything really started for me, and I started to understand the world that I wanted to be in and to learn about it. That was where I had started to get access to everything. And to go and see shows, I mean, that's where you learn what you would like to do, really. But usually, like, when you go to college, you're you're, you're finding out who you are and you're finding your way. You're, half yeah. of us are just getting by by the skin of our teeth. But when I look at your time at UCD, you were awarded the Patrick Semple Medal for Outstanding Academic Achievement in Drama Studies, as well as the UCD President Award, as well as being awarded the Ad Astra Academy Scholarship for Drama. I mean, you are a high achiever. Where do you attribute that drive from? If if you love what you're doing, it was passion for me. I had to work hard. It comes from home as well. I had to work hard, and I knew that. Looking at my own parents, that's what I know. Worked so hard to give me opportunities, you know, to even to send me to drama classes. They had to work so hard. And I know that, and I knew that. And for me to go to college, I had to work hard. You know, I had to pay tribute to the, the time and the and their own sacrifices that they've, you know, made for me. I genuinely really do love drama. I love plays. I love, I love it. So it wasn't so much a task. Well, there's something about just your capacity for hard graft that I just find astonishing because... It's not just the average Joe Soap's workload. You're doing all your UCD stuff, doing your, your degree, you're the auditor, you win a Best Actress at ISDA as well. And somehow I just feel there's a question in there just about, I mean, mm. these multiple character roles that you're just able for it. And that confidence probably comes back to those drama classes, the confidence yeah. you got at home. Sometimes do you ever get like, overwhelmed? Like, Oh, yeah, like totally. Like, like everybody we do. Like it's tough and it's really tough work. You know, what we do is really tough. It's emotionally hard sometimes. It's physically hard. You you know, you sacrifice a lot of time in your life. So, yes, there's times where, God, yeah, or when you're up against it, you know, trying to deal with, you know, learning masses amount or changes or, again, the fear of not knowing how it's going to go down or... That can be overwhelming, but again, there's something in the people that I've been lucky to be surrounded by, your teammates that you know that that keeps you going. Or and and as well, it's like anything, like anything in life, it's okay to be overwhelmed, isn't it? It's okay what's your to touchstone have for a focus? Like, what's your touchstone to ground yourself? Um, I, I'm a big believer in 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 saying it out, in in talking about things. 
and you know there be times where I've happily gone okay well I'm feeling I'm panicked now or I'm worried say it let it rest and then I've been lucky to find that the world is a kind place people are kind you know but uh, to focus you kind of just I kind of go back into or you know what the other day, like last week absolutely like I was terrified <laughs> coming out absolutely to the first night I was Here's that fear. And I came in early and I sat in the Abbey for a while and then I walked out to the stage and I thought of little Katrina. And actually, if that's what I do. I look, oh God, it's going to be okay. And then all of that extra worry kind of lifts off me because, oh my God, like, I, I look, how lucky am I? It's okay, I'm here. So... That's what I try to do anyway. Do you feel that there is a sense of community amongst the theatre community? Yeah, I do. You talked before about finding your tribe. Yeah. And from I suppose what I can gather from your work is that when you do go into a rehearsal room, you immerse yourself. Yeah. And I can't let you go without asking you about Anu and yeah. the Boys of Foley Street and that experience. And, yeah. and you mentioned Louise Lowe um, inviting her in as part of ISDA. Yeah. yeah, that's how I met her. That's I how just you met loved her. her work so much. I'd seen um, um, Laundry and I was just so affected by it. I just thought it was so important. That, you know, that's the other thing with what the work we can do is to, to shine light on the untold stories. Is I, For me, like m- my heart is really drawn to that kind of storytelling. And I just admired their work so much. So yeah, we got in contact with Louise and she was she was brilliant, and I suppose that's where our little conversations started, and then Boys of Foley Street happened. I sh- I'm shaking my one. head. Like, I can't even tell you. Like it's so funny. Like that's why I say like every character for me. I'm like that's my new love of my life. I say that word, and I go all you know. People go the Boys of Foley Street, and all I hear is Kathleen, my little one, and all the the little ones that helped me build who she was. You know. Oh God, that was so. That you was, were so, you were constantly mistaken for a young girl. Yeah. Like there was concern for you. I know. I was wearing the uniform and the you know the local uniform and I could see why like the the flat was surrounded by neighborhood kids running around having going. You're doing a play here, brilliant. So I suppose they're they're the image of them as well, and then people coming into the show and seeing the image of me. That's why I think people are just going, no, she can't, she has to be, she must be one of the little ones in there. I don't even know. That kind of experience, it does seem like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a theatrical performance. Mm. For me, it felt like an experience. Um, I remember being uh, locked in the toilet or I was in the toilet with Dee Burke. Yeah. Buttoning up her dress. Yeah. And I remember someone charged the door. I think it might have been Lloyd. Yeah. But, uh, and I remember keeping my foot against the door and I knew, I knew this was a show that I paid, paid a few quid for. But, oh, it was the strangest experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just walked away home after that, just being troubled yeah. by it and very affecting, yeah. very affected. It's funny, sometimes I'm like on a bus or walking through town and I see somebody, I go, how do I know? I held your hand. I used to feel, I felt the same doing that show, like, 
at different moments like like and literally I were told every audience member's hand leaving and I can like different even that that physical touch sometimes how I were told for, even for me I go I don't know where this is coming from it was there's something um that that worked at, or the truth of those stories and those lives and though and although it's very important to remember it is a play and you're or, or an experience or but you are within that space sometimes that's what offers also the safety to allow yourself to react with your instincts and and it's a little I oh is it a fight back like was your foot at that door for yes this is a, you know being acted out but was it a fight back for all the women that it was protection I yeah. just remember thinking it it was a reaction yeah but it, it was um whatever way it was done it was that um you did feel protective towards these well, they weren't characters, you know. They're young yeah. girls. Yeah, and I know what you. I know what you mean. I know what you're getting at, because I just remember kind of thinking, no, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen yeah. here. And yes, the reasons I was troubled was because everything you know that happens in real life around yeah. that. You know. Yeah. Is it easy for you to hand over yourself to such projects, like to leap into that yeah. world? Yeah. There's so again, it it's. If I, be it read a part, or in that case, I'm handed material to research that I feel like connection to somebody, I, what I feel like it is is going, yeah, I'll go to war for you. If I can go to whoever that person is on a page, I'll go to war for you, then I'll, that's it. And if I don't have that, I always, always know on myself that's for someone else and that's my baseline that's what keeps me because you know you can get caught up in so many different aspects of this job and um you know and, and personal worries come into play then and how am I gonna how am I gonna eat how am I gonna you know basic level things but what keeps me focused on the work that I want to make is can I go to war for you would I fight for you yeah I'd love to play them. Is there a role that you you have yet and would love to tackle? So many. Any that come to mind? I'd love to do Tom Murphy. Any of his, any of them. I'll <laughs> play them all. <laughs> really, good. I only have just spent uh, the last two weeks. I just I was sitting at home last week in my madness of trying to not look at this play all the time, and I picked up his work again. I just love it so much. It's so brilliant. But that's what I love about, you know, what we do as well. There's endless amounts. What about all the, you know, kids that are yet to to write their plays? I want to do their work. Oh, so I don't know. Sky's the limit, which I love. Do you ever pinch yourself to, to that you're part of this? Yes, do you know? all the time. I, that's the thing I struggle with the most. I can't even, I probably can't even really talk about that much, but I can't believe it still to this day. Genuinely, like I have that, I come in here early every day, and lads were saying to me yesterday, "Why did you be in so early?" Ah, it's just, I'm still like, is this all happening? And I honestly am like that with every, every show. I think it was for Dublin by Lamplight. Um, 
and I found myself, I don't know, I was in loitering at the back of the theatre. I don't know what I was in. I don't know, creeping. And, uh, <laughs> and you came out on stage and you're just doing your warm-up and you're well ahead of everyone else. Mm. And you walked out onto on the stage and you just said, hello, theatre. <laughs> and I felt like going, hello, Katrina. <laughs> but I didn't. You are there. <laughs> <laughs> Lady G. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was really sweet, though, because... It made sense to me in that you were kind of warming up the space, but welcoming yourself to the theatre. But it did feel, it just was a really sweet moment. It, I is, just, yeah. it is like, that's what it is to me. Even um, being upstairs in the rehearsal room, I always say, hello room, and then goodbye room. They're, I don't know what, it, maybe it's the ghosts in the room, or I don't know what it is. For me, it's so much like, or, or the friendships I've made there, or the lessons that I've learned, or the things I've got to witness, or the blue sky you get to look at in that room. And then, yeah, it is. Hello, theatre. Thanks, Adrian.